going on, guys? My name is David Gibson. I am the host and founder of this podcast, SIDcast, a podcast resource dedicated to telling the stories and sharing some resources, hopefully. Uh, at least that's what I hope people are uh, getting out of this while um, listening to this show. But it's for athletic communications professionals. And if you use it for any other reason, cool. If not, that's fine with me. Completely okay. This is day number three of our 7-7 seven and seven campaign of our one-year anniversary. Uh, we actually started this thing, and gosh, tomorrow will be exactly one year, October the 11th, which is kind of crazy to think uh, that we're at episode 44 now, and then we'll be at episode 48 by the time this campaign is over. So this is something that i uh, really, really proud of and really, really looking forward to since at, at the time of this recording, it's about two weeks uh, before uh, this episode actually goes up. So right now I'm driving uh, on my way to actually um, a thing uh, like a festival that we have here called Fall Fest. Uh, we're going out and just going to try and have some fun before fall break hits. And then I'm going up to uh, Indianapolis uh, just for a little mini vacation for a few days and then coming back down. So uh, that's what's going on right now. And our episode today is with Jeremy Rosenthal from Indiana University. He graciously, graciously accepted to be part of uh, the show and a part of this campaign that we've got going on. Um, we worked for a long time to try and get him scheduled, and I'm really, really happy that we did because we did have a lengthy conversation just about uh, running. Uh, he's a big marathon guy, just loves running in general. Uh, he's, he's a guy that just loves what he does, and, and usually when I have people that come on this podcast that, that uh, love what they do and express that in, in such a way, then it's usually going to be a great episode. And uh, that's what this one is today. And just one final uh, housekeeping stuff for you guys before I let you all go, because I think I've been talking for way too long. Um, you can follow us anytime on social media using at SportsInfoCast. If you want to be a part of this contest that we are holding for the free SIDcast t-shirt, you do have to be following us on social media platforms, specifically over on Twitter there. You can also subscribe, rate, and review the podcast at iTunes and those types of things that really, really help out as far as just uh, algorithms within iTunes. That way other people can find our show and then like our show, grow our family, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I've been chatting for way too long, guys. I'm just going to let you go right here. And what we'll start off talking today with an episode number 44 with Jeremy Rosenthal of Indiana University Hoosiers is about the, I asked him to give us a, a play-by-play of his run at the Boston Marathon right here on SIDK. Sure. It was, uh, I mean, initially just so much excitement. I mean, trouble sleeping the night before, you know, uh, just like a, a culmination of you work. I mean, it took me three marathon attempts to qualify for the Boston Marathon. Um, so you just have so much excitement. You're thinking about all the people that kind of helped you get to that point. Um, and, uh, you know, you wake up real early and you get there early and, uh, well, this is actually kind of a funny story. Um, so I'm getting a, an Uber on the way to the, to, the, to the start. So I'm staying with some family friends in, in the Boston area. So parents don't want to drop me off. So I take the, take the Uber to, to get over there. And uh, so I'm going to like Charles Street. And uh, apparently there's multiple uh, like Charles Streets in Boston. So, um, so I enter the wrong one. 
So we're like going around these small town like neighborhoods and I'm like, where are we going? Like, this is not right. Uh And, um, I, um, we pick up somebody else and we drop him off. We get to the place. He's like, this is your spot to get off. And I'm like, this definitely is not right. So at this point, I'm kind of like freaking out because I don't have like like money. I don't have like my uh-huh. phone because I gave my phone to like my parents. So I don't have anything. So I try and explain to this guy the situation. You know, I put in the wrong address. Um, so long story short, he uh, thankfully he uh, he's okay with taking me somewhere else. So uh, so finally, you you get there and uh, you know you're there for a while uh, getting ready. But but anyways, you know gun goes off and you're starting just kind of full of adrenaline and um it was a really hot day so um so so i from indiana so i uh trained in the in the winter of bloomington which um it's it uh, it didn't get really cold but Mm. it was it was cold enough it was lots of runs in the 20s and 30s in terms of temperature and um you know you're looking at the forecast before the marathon and it's kind of like 50 60 i'm like okay this isn't bad get to like the couple days before now it's like 65 70 you're starting to worry a little bit that's getting kind of hot and um it's about 75 degrees on on race day so something uh i wasn't prepared for um in retrospect i probably should have gone out a little slower um but i didn't so uh i felt good at the beginning um uh, the Boston course has a, has a fair number of hills too, so that's something I trained for. And there's a lot of hills in Bloomington as well, so I thought I was pretty well prepared uh, for that. Uh, but then I don't know something um, with the heat or whatever it was. It just wasn't my day. And uh, you know, the, like you said, they talk about hitting the wall at like mile 20, right? Yeah. You know, 20, 22, 23. Uh, my marathon to qualify I felt pretty good up until mile 24 um so you could say that i hit the wall around mile nine so here i am nine miles into the race and i'm like the wheels are coming off and i'm like oh gosh what am i what am i in for at that point i'm thinking you know i don't know if i'm even gonna finish you know so full of excitement and now it's like um you know it's just gonna be a, a struggle um so at that point, you know, you you think about different things to keep your mind off the pain, I guess. Um, and the the crowd in uh, in Boston was amazing. I mean, I don't think any other marathon is like it. You talk about um, literally hundreds of thousands of spectators lining the course. So it's a it's a holiday in Boston, Patriots Day. So people take off of work, and everybody. Um, so the people on the course helped me out a lot, you know, giving me encouragement. Um, near the end of the race, I started to kind of walk a little bit because my, my, I don't know, my bones were just so, my body was so beat up. And, uh, you know, people would see me and they'd shout out encouragement and I tried to, you know, run. Um, and then, um, but yeah, I, got, I finally I got to the last mile and I was, I was struggling by now, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, I got to the last mile, and I told myself, you know, this is the Boston Marathon. This is what you've worked for. Um, last mile, you're not going to walk the last mile of the Boston Marathon. So I mustered up all the strength I had, and um, 
and got uh, through that last mile, uh, through the finish, got my medal, which was another thing that probably kept me going, had to get that finisher medal. Um, and then I, I just about passed out at the end. Um, and they came and uh, took me off on a wheelchair to the medical tent to make sure I was okay. And um, at that point, I'm trying to find my family, too, because they're there. And, um, you know, they probably thought that I was going to finish a little bit sooner than I did. So trying to get with them. And we had a meeting spot, so I eventually found them. Um, but, uh, you know, it was tough from the perspective of not finishing, you know, in the time that I wanted to. But... Um, kind of looking at the whole experience i just had to you know be appreciative and uh realized it was an amazing experience to have you know just accomplished the goal of getting there and um just kind of told myself that you know you can always you know get back there and you know do better but um the whole thing was um an amazing experience and my birthday was a few days before and um um one of the for, you know, people that kind of know the story a little bit, um, you know, one of the sports I work with is, is volleyball and, um, they've been, uh, the team has been incredibly supportive and, uh, the marathon that I qualified for Boston was the, uh, Columbus marathon, um, in Columbus, Ohio, which is where Ohio state is. And, um, I ran that marathon on the same day that we played Ohio state in volleyball. So on the volleyball road trip. Um, so, and, um, and I'll never forget coming in the gym after, um, the marathon and, you know, I had my, um, medal and the, the team was warming up and they all, you know, came over and, you know, high five, congratulations, um, so that meant a lot, and I was saying, so So my birthday before the marathon, um, they got me a special uh, plaque where they all kind of wrote um, uh, good luck messages on it, so that was really cool, and um, um, they told me that um, they, uh, they had practiced during the marathon, but there was uh, like a little runner uh, tracking kind of thing, yeah. so when they would have... Um, have uh, like water bricks they would come over and see how I was doing um, so that 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 support from them meant a lot and that uh, that kept me going in some of those tough times um, kind of realizing all the all the support that I had okay do you plan so on doing it again I'd like to yeah so now um, now since I didn't run fast enough to qualify again I have to run an back to the Boston Marathon. So I'm kind of looking at uh, another marathon I want to do. Um, I think Chicago might be a really good one. That has a reputation of being uh, a flat and fast course. And uh, geographically, it's it's close. It's about uh, four or five hours from Bloomington. So uh, who knows? Maybe we'll, play, we'll be playing Northwestern next year for volleyball and uh, on the same weekend. Okay, cool. So let's get back to some of your uh, background that you have. Uh, how did you end up at IU in the first place, and what was your uh, first taste of sports information? Yeah, so, um, you know, I grew up in, in West Lafayette, so I grew up as, as a Purdue fan, which is, which is interesting. Um, I, was, uh, I was in high school when, uh, when Drew Brees was at Purdue taking the Boilers to the Rose Bowl. Um, when, uh, when Gene Cady was there, when Brian Cardinal was on the basketball team, um, 
so those are kind of things that uh, that I remember growing up. Um, I actually one time Drew Brees actually came to uh, one of our high school volleyball matches because uh, the defensive coordinator Brock's back. His uh, daughter played volleyball, and I was uh, I was leaving uh, the gym and uh, he came up to me. Drew Brees came up to me and told me that um, he had dropped his keys under the bleachers and he needed someone to to go under the bleachers <laughs> to get him. So um, so I went under the bleachers uh, to get him and. Uh, I also got his autograph, which for me was was pretty cool. Being in high school at that point, I actually um, so Drew Brees was inducted in the Coastside Academic All America Hall of Fame um, this past uh, this past year at uh, at Coastside, uh, which for anybody that goes to Coastside and doesn't know about the Academic um, All America Hall of Fame uh, program and induction ceremony, it's really an amazing event and something. Uh, not to be missed when you're uh, going to a Coastside convention. So, anyways, I, I reminded him of, of that occurrence when I saw him at uh, at that ceremony this past summer, and uh, he he got a little chuckle about it. Um, so, anyways, grew up in West Lafayette. Dad, uh, professor at Purdue. He actually just retired. Um, so, shout out to the the parents. Um, <laughs> But um, it wasn't, people ask me, like, how could your parents let you go to IU? They weren't huge sports fans, so it wasn't like, you know, how could you go to IU? Um, IU had a better uh, academic program. I wanted to major in exercise science initially. Um, IU had a strong program. I kind of wanted to get away from home a little bit. Most of my graduating class uh, was going to Purdue, wanted to kind of get away from home a little bit. So anyways, got to IU. Um, did, uh, did a year on the exercise science track um, and decided that uh, it, was, it was too much science, basically. Yeah. I wasn't interested in taking biology and anatomy and chemistry for my whole undergrad uh, experience. So um, at the time, my, my younger brother was at uh, Northwestern, um, journalism major, um, writing for the school newspaper, and... Uh, He's since um, gone on to the Seattle Times and the Houston Chronicle and now works for the, uh, at the New York Times and um, was actually a finalist this past year for, uh, for the Pulitzer Prize yeah. for uh, investigative reporting for a series that he did uh, in, uh, in Texas about uh, special education services being denied to, uh, to kids there. Um, in a multi-part series that he wrote called Denied. But, um, so he was doing, um, journalism at Northwestern. So I thought, you know, maybe this would be a cool thing to kind of try. Um, so I started writing for the school newspaper at Indiana and, uh, really enjoyed it. Wrote some general news articles, did, uh, some sports, covered some different teams for a couple of years. Um, so through that process, I met a lot of the, uh, SIDs at IU through being a, a beat writer for the student newspaper and um, kind of fast forward I guess the summer of my junior year when I'm thinking you know what am I going to want to do after college and uh, you know while um, I had fun doing the, the school newspaper and appreciated journalism um, I think I kind of felt like um, you know I wanted to be more a part of the a part of like like a team and um I wanted to more, um, you know, focus on, you know, telling the positive stories and not like, you know, having to, you know, cover, you know, maybe the controversial or kind of negative, um, yeah. you know, stories. So anyways, I, um, I asked, uh, asked J.D. Campbell, who was the, um, 
the head uh, SID at Indiana. Um, at the time, if I could intern my senior year in media relations, um, so I did that, um, and it was a fantastic experience. Um, since it was only a year, I packed just as much as I could during that year. Um, I remember I helped out at all 24 of IU's varsity sports that year, uh, doing work on game days, doing things in the office. Um, so just got as good of an experience as I can. So, so that was big. And then, uh, that summer I interned with, uh, with Kevin messenger with Indiana fever, WNBA, um, those people that know Kevin, cause he's a former college SID was, uh, the SID at Maryland when they beat IU, um, in the national championship in 2002, he actually wore his championship ring when I came for an interview on purpose, I think, um, <laughs> So uh, that was really a wonderful experience, you know, working in that setting, um, you know, Indiana Fever, a great organization. Everybody knows uh, Tamika Catchings, who retired, played for the Fever, uh, just a model, um, you know, person in the community, a tremendous athlete. And, uh, you know, Kevin and that experience uh, made it really an an amazing hands-on experience. And uh, I learned a lot there. from there, I, um, I was at the College of Charleston in uh, Charleston, South Carolina for three years. And, uh, you know, people, um, you know, tell you all the time about, uh, about networking and, and who you know and that kind of thing. And uh, so while I was at Indiana, I, uh, I worked with, uh, with Sherry Dunbar, who was the, uh, the volleyball coach. Uh, my best friend, Dave Leno, was the, one of my best friends. Dave Leno was the broadcaster for the volleyball team. Um, so I was hanging out with volleyball a lot, helping on game day, writing some feature stories, that kind of thing, getting to know the team. And, um, so when I, um, was looking at jobs, Charleston was one of the jobs and coach Dunbar had coached at Charleston before she came to IU, um, really elevated that program. Uh, she was there for four years. They won 113 matches in four years. They went to the NCAA tournament every year. Um, she still has the only um, Southern Conference victory in the tournament when they upset North Carolina while she was there. Um, so anyway, she picked up the phone and called for me and um, and helped me get that job. And uh, that was a fantastic experience being there, working with a bunch of sports. Um, I worked with the equestrian team. I didn't know what equestrian was before I came to the College of Charleston. Um, it's, uh, it's horsemanship for those that don't know, um, the intercollegiate horse show association, they don't have NCA. So, so that's what, what it's called. Um, so did that, did a bunch of things, uh, got a chance to start volunteering for some different things while I was there. Um, the PGA championship came to Kiwa Island, volunteered for that, started getting involved with, uh, the women's basketball final four, um, with some of my connections around the Indianapolis area, getting to know uh, Rick Nixon from NCA. Um, so just a tremendous experience. And then one day, um, Indiana called and had an opening and asked me if I'd like to, to come back and work. And uh, that was, uh, you know, a little over four years ago. And I'm now um, in my fifth year uh, back at IU. So it's uh, 
It's been great, and it's good to be back at the, the alma mater, and it was a very easy transition coming back here, having known so many people in the department, coaches, um, working with volleyball again, so kind of coming full circle um, with that. So, um, yeah, it's just been a tremendous uh, experience so far. For other SIDs who have to move jobs, and, and like you said, you went to Charleston Southern, you didn't know Equestrian. So what did you do and what would you suggest that other SIDs do when they come across a sport that maybe they don't know that they have to get acclimated with quickly? Yeah, I think, I think my big thing is I think this is uh, this, a quote that uh, kind of I really uh, like and uh, let me make sure I get this right, but uh, it goes something like uh, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Um, so I think, um, a good, a good bit of it is showing how much you care and you can do that in a number of ways. Um, you know, taking the time to learn about a sport that you don't know, which, uh, that might mean taking extra time to, uh, to talk with a coach and, uh, pick their brain about things, ask questions, um, come to practice. That's something that I regularly, uh, you know, uh, attend practice, get to know players, coaches. I know when I first started working with volleyball at the College of Charleston, um, I met individually with each of the 15 girls on the team for like half an hour just to just to get to know them, their background, find out about interesting stories about them. Um, I think having that kind of investment and that time and just, you know, genuinely showing people that you really care about um, you know, being part of that team. I mean, I go back to, uh, you know, the thing I love the most about this job is, is working with athletes and coaches and seeing them, you know, go through the ups and downs and, you know, being along for that journey. So, um, I think it's just, uh, kind of being a sponge and, um, getting to know as much as you can and just, uh, you know, showing people that you really genuinely uh, care about uh, them and, uh, and the program. And you kind of touched on it a little bit, and I, and I, I feel the same way uh, working in the radio now being in sports information, but when you were a beat writer, how much does it help now that you're in the athletic department with beat writers that come to you and you have to facilitate their needs? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think I have a, a tremendous uh, appreciation for uh, for student media, and I really try and uh, you know do as much as I can to to help those in student media because you know I was there and I know uh, what that uh, um, has kind of been like. And uh, so, yeah, I think that uh, that helps me out a lot, and it helped me out early in my career just having that kind of writing experience too because we know that uh, that uh, writing and communication is so important in what we do um, but I guess my big thing and my big takeaway was you know there were so many people that uh, that helped me along the way um, whether it was in uh, media relations or when I was a student or uh, whatever the case may be so now in my position now I uh, you know, really try and, uh, you know, pay that back and do as much as I can to help others, um, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, helping student media, being a guest speaker in a class, trying to get a student an internship uh, to gain experience. Um, 
uh, I know at IU, and this is probably the case for a lot of schools, there's so many more opportunities for students to gain experience now in college than there was when, when I was in school. And I don't know, maybe I, I feel like old saying that, but um, it really is true. I mean, there's so many opportunities, um, you know, uh, for students to, to gain experience, and uh, that's what you need to to get uh, to be effective in the job and, and to get a job. Uh, one more thing about this, and then I'll move on. So what should SIDs know about facilitating needs of their student media or maybe just beat writers in general? What are some things that they need to do to accommodate that as, as, as best they can? Um, I think you've got to be a little bit proactive. I think not expect that students are going to necessarily always show the initiative. Um, some will, um, and some won't, and that's just kind of the nature of how things go. Um, so you kind of, you almost feel like at times you're, you're bending over backward to, to help them, but it's just, you know, what you have to do. Um, if you want, uh, to help them further their career and you also want to make sure the things that are being written about, uh, your programs are things that you want out there. Um, so I like to meet with student media at the beginning of the year. I like to give them as much information um, as I can about the team before they even do their first interview, before they even talk to a coach or an athlete. I like to give them as much background as I can so they're prepared going in. Um, I think that's, uh, that's probably the biggest thing. And, and just kind of know that, you know, they are, you know, just learning. They are going to make mistakes. Uh, I've gotten frustrated. I know probably a lot of people have gotten frustrated, um, but sometimes you got to take a deep breath and realize that, uh, you know, they are students and they're just starting out. Uh, but there's also things you can do to kind of help them and maybe cut down on some of those uh, mistakes as well. And you, you teach a class at IU, and not many SADs do that. I mean, go ahead and just detail what you do for the university before we go any further. Yeah, so um, I've always had an interest in, uh, in uh, kind of academics and teaching. Um, maybe it's having a father that was a professor. Um, I worked a lot of um, kind of like, uh, like camps growing up, being like a camp counselor, that kind of thing, working with kids. Um, so it's something I, I always enjoyed. And um, so uh, I guess it was uh, late in the fall semester of last year. So uh, a professor at IU had, uh, had left to go to another school. And um, they were set to teach. This. So the class was still on the books. Students had still signed up for the class, but there was no teacher to teach the class. Um, so a professor that, uh, that I um, had when I was in school, who's the coordinator of the department, reached out to our office and asked if one of us would be interested in teaching the class. And kind of my background um, and um, interest in teaching uh, I kind of volunteered to do it, and I'm actually co-teaching the class with another uh, person in our office. So um, myself and, uh, and Nate Weekers, who's also in our office, are um, co-teaching the class. So uh, it's issues in support communication. Um, um, so I, I enlisted the help of, uh, of, of some people kind of through the uh, 
even before I remember having a conversation with uh, with Chris Yandel. Everybody knows uh, Chris, and he's uh, you know uh, had a great career in uh, in media relations at the collegiate level, and um, has had experience teaching. Um, so he was someone I reached out to for some advice. Um, so issues in sport communication. Uh, no textbook, which is good, and. Uh, They've allowed, the department has allowed us to kind of take it in the direction that we've wanted. So um, it's um, it's a lot on current events. We try and talk about things that are current events. We did a, we're doing a social media project. So we did a, so we did a draft in class. So that was fun. We, we had uh, kids on draft teams. So either college teams or professional teams. And um, they had to pick a team through this draft. And... Um, follow that team through the semester and uh, kind of report on um, uh, how ineffective or effective they are on social media, how they do things on social media, their website, their communication strategy, how they use uh, visuals and graphics, um, so different things like that. And then uh, if there's maybe an issue that comes up with a team, we encourage them to kind of talk about it in class. Um so, you know, like, how do you think so-and-so handled this, like, when, um, for example, when Oklahoma beat Ohio State in football and, and Baker Mayfield spiked the flag on, uh, on the center of uh, Ohio State, how, um, how Oklahoma kind of handled that and then the ensuing apology and... Um, uh, so kind of that uh, recently, uh, not surprising, it's been... Uh, the NFL protests and the FBI investigation um, that we've kind of talked about a little bit in our class. Uh, so there's really no shortage of things to talk about, and it's uh, it's just been uh, it's just been a lot of fun uh, being in that environment. And uh, another thing, I thought it was going to be about 50, 60 kids in the class, um, 110. So um, 110 kids. Um, Thankfully, it's not in, like, a huge lecture hall, so um, I don't have to, like, yell, um, uh -huh. but it's um, definitely a challenge, but uh, it's a good challenge and something that, uh, that I really enjoy doing. So how do you balance what you have to do for your athletic communications department along with being a teacher like that? Yeah, I mean, um, there's only 24 hours in a day, so it definitely, uh, you know, cuts into that a little bit. Um, but you just kind of, uh, you know, go with it and, uh, you know, make time for, uh, for everything. And, uh, but it's good. It's, it's nice to be able to, uh, kind of use your professional experience, um, in, uh, share that experience with, uh, with kids who, uh, a lot of them are, uh, are going to go into, um, careers in uh, in athletics but it's like anything else you know time management and uh, just making sure uh, you get everything done jeremy I have, I have a confession to make so last at cosida uh, there was a guy who was mad at the finish line because he went the wrong way that was me um so th detail your i I think I remember that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, detail your involvement with uh, COSIDA as well as the 5K and the, the wellness committee. Sure, yeah. I mean, it's, 
it's very uh, near and dear to my heart, I'd say. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know when I when I was coming up in uh, in media relations, um, I uh, I worked well when I was at Charleston. Um, the director there, who's still the director there. Uh, uh, Marlene Navor, um, that a lot of people, uh, you know, know, uh, Marlene, uh, she's been in the profession a long time, um, has been, uh, was, uh, a tremendous mentor to me, um, starting the profession. And she was very heavily involved in COSIDA, um, in young COSIDA and going to the conventions. So, um, she kind of encouraged me to do that. And, um, my first one was uh, back in Marco Island, uh, my first year in the profession, and I've been um, I've been to the convention every year I've um, been in the profession. Haven't missed one as far as uh, I've been there. Uh, it's such a great opportunity for anybody that's even thinking about should I go, should I not go? You know, go. It's an amazing uh, few days. Just to, um, you know, meet so many great people in the profession. Yes, you know, networking and, you know, you never know when your next job. But just to meet so many genuinely great people in the profession and people that are interested in in helping you. Um, I remember my first convention. um, I was sitting outside one of the rooms. um, I think we were collecting... uh, uh, maybe shoes or clothes for uh, for our community service project, and uh, and I'm sitting there with uh, with Chris Mitchell, who's the now the uh, the chair of uh, of our uh, Goodwill and Wellness Committee, and uh, and uh, Chris is uh, a great uh, friend and mentor and someone that I've known since the beginning, and I remember they're sitting there with Chris, and people are coming by, and Chris is just saying like. Uh, He's just saying hi to everybody. Like, I thought, you know, man, Chris knows everybody. Like, how does uh-huh. this guy know, like, so many people? Here I am, my first convention, and I'm just, like, overwhelmed. Like, you go into, like, a, um, like the first, like, social, the first night, and there's, like, a thousand, like, SIDs in the room. And it's just, like, like just overwhelming. Like, I don't even know, like, where to start. And... Uh, so we're just sitting there talking, and people would come up, and Chris would introduce me to people and um, just get to know people. And as I went, you know, further on those next few days and, you know, meeting more people, you know, I just realized what a great, um, what a great group, you know, COSIDE is as an organization. And it's run by, uh, you know, great people at the uh, – and Barb Kowal and Lori and and Bo and Will and all those people that just do such a tremendous job and the membership and the people are so great and so interested in in helping you. I mean, besides just networking, I mean, having people that, you know, if you need like a question, if you have a question about something, you know, having people that you can call that um, to answer questions. So, um so that first convention, you know, having a, a background and interest in, in running, um, I signed up for the 5K, and having a background and an interest in uh, community service, uh, which is something um, I think I get from my parents. They just raised me to, you know, 
you know, help other people, be involved in the community. Um, so I went that first year to the Goodwill and Wellness uh, committee meeting and uh, and uh, kind of got involved in what they were doing and helping uh, with that. And uh, it's just something that as the years have gone on, I've become uh, more and more involved in. And um, it's just, um, I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to put into words again just what an amazing experience many you know great people um in the profession and it just makes you want to want to give back that much more um and uh so i started uh, kind of taking uh, more of a leadership role in the organization and kind of planning and organizing the 5k and uh and uh you know sam atkinson and ryan Klinkner, who were the directors um chair vice chair when i first came in uh, did a great job getting it started and uh, then i just tried to kind of continue to kind of take it to to the next level and um, we've gotten more and more people uh, signed up and involved we've gotten sponsors to come on board uh, people that did it last this past year know that we got uh, we got it professionally timed for the first time uh, we got some really nice race shirts that we uh, were able to uh, to give along with registration. Um, and another thing I'll say is uh, kind of a little bit joking, a little bit serious. Um, you know, for people that are listening, you know, do participate in the 5K. It's it's an amazing event. Uh, the money goes to a great cause, great charities that we're helping out. So for those who, you know, tell me that, you know, it's too early or uh, they can't get up, uh, you know, just remember it's uh, it's for a great cause. And every year, every summer, I see so many people come out and just have so much fun with it. I mean, it's another way to have fun with fellow um, SIDs and to uh, to promote uh, being healthy, getting some exercise, uh, contributing to a great cause. And it's just a lot of fun. So, um encourage people to uh to come out and uh do it again this year uh in uh in dc it'll be a great time and real quick just preview the race in dc where you guys plan on putting it i mean what's what's going to be there you know what you should do for you know how like an nxn they got hay bales and like things that you have to jump over that should be like a little <laughs> mini obstacle course that's what you guys should do that'd be cool real real cross country right yeah real re- yeah real cross country according to, to oregon so um yeah, let's, let's. That's a great. Not, yeah, that's a great idea. But yeah, another thing we're trying to do um, is maybe do uh, do a challenge like against like NACTA. Ooh, um, yeah. So make either in and so I think it would be in my mind it would be a two part challenge. So one would be uh, number of people that you could get to register, and this could not only NACTA but you know NACMA and SEFMA and all the other um, organizations. And, you know, some have more than others, so we could do it proportionally by how much, you know, um, are there or how much membership. But uh, so a competition in terms of number registered, then a competition in terms of actual um, competition in the race. So based on, like, time and, like, award, I don't know, some kind of, like, trophy or, you know, just something. So um, we're trying to do what we can to uh, to get more people, uh, you know, in it. And, uh, but yeah, we're uh, looking forward to it. Um, a lot of the details haven't been worked out yet, so um, I can't say for sure, but um, there is uh, 
we're looking at a course right now that's going to be very close to the hotel that you'll be able to roll out of bed and be uh, be right there and um, that it's a course that I think is going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a, a nice scenic course that uh, is just going to be, again, a lot of fun, and it'll be a great thing for, for SIDs to come together to, to exercise, to promote uh, a healthy lifestyle, and to uh, contribute to, uh, to a great cause. We haven't um, decided what the community service, what the uh, charity we're going to be working with is yet, but... Um, I'm sure uh, it'll be great. We've been able to uh, to raise a lot of money for a lot of uh, great charities uh, so far. I like to transition as part of the interview where I like to ask some fun questions. So first one I have Let's for you, do it. Jeremy. Uh, favorite memory in your professional tenure? Oh gosh, we're uh, we're <laughs> you were excited for see, a moment, weren't you? See, you know what? You know, you know what's interesting. Um, you know, as an SID. You're, uh, you know, you, you know, you do like, like interviews with like your athletes uh-huh. and, uh, you know, you're asking them like, uh, you know, what's your favorite food? What's your favorite memory from, uh, you know, maybe it's a senior, oh, like yeah. your favorite memory from, you know, and, and they're always saying, man, I, I just can't, I can't think of it. And you're like, well, just, just give me one or, you know, just give me something. But you know, when you're on the other side of it and you have to come up with something, you know, it's, it's, it's not that easy. Right. Um, yeah. You know, um, wow. Um, you know, and I've been in the profession now. I think this is my eighth year, so um, so it's hard to uh, to single something out. Um, I remember. I mean, one 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 thing that's that's going to be. I mean, I'll I'll give a, I'll try and give a couple here. Um, you know, one thing that I already talked about was was the marathon. Um, at Ohio State, and um, you know that's something that I'll never forget. Just because, um, just because that uh, that bond with the team, and it just you know meant a lot. You know their support. Um, you know I'm I'm in the locker room. Um, um, coach is talking to the team, and she's uh, you know trying to you know pump them up. You know get them ready for this match, and she's talking about me as you know inspiration for the team, and uh, just stuff like that. Um, uh, that was, uh, that was just, uh, an amazing kind of experience. Um, you know, going back to, uh, to Charleston, um, a lot of really incredible, um, experiences there working with some really, um, you know, great student athletes, athletes. I remember, um, uh, doing some media around uh, a couple of our kids uh, that had, um, gone on uh, medical mission trips to Honduras and uh, you know being able to, to tell their story was uh, was uh, was really significant and uh, impactful um, so uh, those are a couple things if I if I think of anything else I'll, uh, I'll let you know but but I realize now that it's not as easy as, as you think uh, coming up with uh, with things yeah we just talked a little bit about um your favorite memory? How about on the other side of the coin? What's your biggest horror story? Biggest horror story? Yeah, some people got some stat crew stuff. I mean, mine was on air, on the radio. I mean, it's, it, can, it can range from any, a real small to just a computer crashing, you know? 
Yeah, um, you know, I have had the, uh, the the stat crew volleyball. Anybody that knows around volleyball know that volleyball stat crew is already, uh, you know, hard enough without the computer freezing. And, um, you know, the first time I it crashed, I thought that um, that um, that I was going to, like, lose everything or I couldn't, like, get back uh, into the program. Uh, and that I had to just wait till you know a timeout to you know figure anything out. But uh, for anybody out there uh, listening, you know you can very quickly exit the program and then just get right back in, and then you know pick it up again. Um, what I do, I have uh, I usually input and I have a caller, and uh, when the computer freezes, uh, I become the caller, and my caller starts writing down everything. Um, but that's uh, that's happened. You 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 freak out a little bit, um, but uh, you just kind of uh, get past it, I guess. But uh, yeah, that kind of freaked me out. I mean, and just learning volleyball my first year at Charleston, I was just being thrown into the fire and having to try and you know do it um, was certainly uh, um, a challenge uh, in itself as well. Uh, what's one piece of advice you'd give to a student going into this profession? Piece of advice. I mean, while while they're still in college, um, you know, or, or high school or college coming up, it's definitely um, um, take advantage of all the different experiences you can. Volunteer for things. Um, you know, like I've done with whether it's uh, like a Final Four or something. Um, Getting experience is just so important um, in uh, being able to get a job, just building your skill level. Um, I think kind of transitioning a little bit to once you're kind of in the field, um, I would say uh, go to COSIDA conventions, uh, run the 5K too. <laughs> um, but, uh, but again, take advantage um uh, I mean, it, it, uh, I don't know, when you say take advantage, it sounds kind of weird. But, but um, really, uh, there's so many great people in this profession that want to help you, um, that if, just have uh, tons and tons of experience, that just genuinely want to help the people coming up. And so reach out to those people. You know, uh, you know if you're going to uh, a convention this summer, you know, Email um, email people before you uh, you head out there. Email uh, you know members uh, you know on the board of COSID. Email SIDs that you know have a lot of experience in the field, and just say you know uh, you know would you have a few minutes to talk at the convention? Uh, because ninety nine point nine percent of them are going to say, sure, I'd love to sit down for, you know, 10, 15 minutes, whatever it is, to, uh, to talk and uh, to give you advice. And, uh, and then it just, uh, you know, it builds your network, it builds your uh, relationships, it gives you people that you can lean on as you advance in the profession. Um, so just don't be afraid to, uh, to reach out to people for, for advice, for help. Um, you know, we're such a great, uh, you know, membership and we want to, you know, help each other. Uh, one thing you're interested in to learn more about in this profession? 
one thing to learn more about um, I don't know I mean I think um, sometimes being at a bigger school um, you get kind of locked in to to have so many um, you know different people there to help you um, whether it's um, you know, doing, you know, photo, doing video, doing, you know, graphics. Um, so I think you can never stop uh, learning. I think that's important. So just continuing to find ways to, uh, to expand your skill set um, and not to kind of just get tied into like, well, I have, you know, a graphic designer to make graphics for me, so I don't need to ever learn how to make graphics or something like that Um, I think there's always things that you can continue to to learn and and get better at you know I'm constantly going to uh, to people in uh, in our office that have specialties in different areas and uh, you know just kind of picking their brain on kind of the latest kind of trends or the latest uh, new things that uh, that there are out there because you know, you can uh, you can always work life balance. What do you do to have fun? Fun? What's that? Uh-huh. Ironically, Bill said that this morning. The exact same thing. <laughs> um, you know, I'm. If you if you really, I mean, this is a kind of the, the answer that most people are going to give. But and I'll I'll go into the the other kind of work life balance. But if if you really you love your job, you know, like I do, and like so many people do, uh, it is fun, and and I do have have a lot of fun uh, in my job and being around the the teams that I work with. Um, so uh, uh, people say, you know, choose a job that you love, so you'll never have to work a day in your life. Um, so I think there's some truth in that, and uh, I think uh, so many uh, people do really. Uh, love this profession you know of course it's uh it's long hours it's tough at times but uh it helps when you're working with a lot of great people uh, with your teams with uh, your support staff with your fellow sids with people in other areas uh, so i am fortunate to have a good uh, you know situation here that i really do um, like my job but uh kind of on the flip side of it i think it's it's important to, to have that balance, and you know, I'll admit that, that I'm not the greatest about it. Um, I um, I don't know if I'd call myself a workaholic, probably, um, but I think it's important to um, to take some time to do some other things. I think um, running is a big thing for me. I find that uh, that kind of um, just starting my day with a run in the morning. Um, just kind of sets me up for the day, uh, makes me, uh, you know, feel really good. Uh, it's time that I can just, you know, get away. And, uh, and, uh, I still think about work when I run, I get some of my best ideas while I'm out on a run. I'm like, man, we should do this. And it's like, okay. Uh, but I think just find things that, uh, that you're interested in outside of work. Um, it could be, um, uh, I don't know, running, reading, uh, cooking, uh, just find, uh, find a hobby, find an interest, um, something that you can do, um, outside uh, of work that you, uh, that you enjoy. 
Um, but I think it is uh, it is really important, and that's something that we stress with our committee: um, work life balance and ways that you can maintain a healthy lifestyle. And uh, so I think it it is very important. Uh, next time someone's in Bloomington, what's your restaurant or bar recommendation? Yeah, well, next time you're in Bloomington, everybody come to Bloomington. Um, oh yeah. Great place, great campus. All uh, you know, if you come um, during uh, you know basketball season, I'll try and get you tickets. Uh, no promises there. Uh, football season, get you tickets. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it's interesting. I've uh, I've had some some people come here, and I always like to uh, you know kind of show people around, give them kind of a tour of, uh, you know, the athletic facilities. I think, I think it's interesting. And, and I, I travel with, uh, with volleyball, for instance. So I think it's a really cool part of the job to, to see different campuses and to see, um, how different places, uh, you know, do things, see their facilities. Um, so that's definitely, um, something that, uh, that I'm, uh, you know, happy to do if anybody's ever, uh, you know, passing through. Uh, but, uh, yeah, great, um, uh, Great college town, great restaurants. Um, my parents are, are actually in town. Uh, I mentioned they're from Purdue, uh, from West Lafayette, but I think they actually like Bloomington more. They're uh, they're visiting me all the time. They're actually here this weekend for uh, the Lotus Fest. Um, but we were we were at a at a Mexican restaurant last night, which was really good, and commenting about all the great restaurants. Um, you mentioned earlier Buffalo's is a really good wing place. Uh, Mother Bear's uh, really good pizza in town. Uh, Malibu Grill uh, is a place that I really like to go uh, when my parents in town. Uh, a little more um, high end. Uh, they usually pay, so that's good. Uh, but uh, but it's another uh, you know great place. Different food there. Uh, a lot of uh, good uh, ethnic restaurants. Uh, Chinese, Indian, Thai food. Um, you pretty much have have everything you could you could want in Bloomington. Uh, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, maybe follow up after this interview with you, uh, what would be the the best way to do it? Uh, yeah, really uh, anything. Um, you know, I'm on uh, you know social media, Twitter at Jeremy Rosenthal. Um, you can find me on there on on Facebook. Uh, email is uh, pretty simple. It's uh, jr359 at indiana.edu and um, being a runner uh, 359 comes from a sub 4 minute mile not that I'm ever going to run a sub 4 minute mile in my life um, but uh, but I just whenever I was you know picking something out that's always had kind of um, kind of special uh, meaning to me uh as uh, as a runner, the the three five nine. Um, I uh, my best uh, time for a mile is actually uh, four fifty eight. So mm-hmm. it was just an accomplishment for me to break five minutes in the mile. So yeah, yeah. Uh, most people don't understand that. Like that's like a wall for people. You know, when you're when you're in high school or when you're in college, just trying to break the five, and and that's like a physical barrier. And I remember when I did my junior year of high school, I never went above five minutes ever again. I just kept getting lower and lower and lower. Like, uh, I don't know. That seems to Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I tell people I can run a mile under five minutes. They're just like, oh, my goodness, that's so fast. And, and I well, you know, it's really not that fast. 
considering like, I mean, going back to the marathon, um, it blows my mind that people, uh, the elite athletes are running marathons at about 435 pace. So if you think about it, they're running, they're running a pace for 26 miles faster than I've ever covered one mile in. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I don't know. I tell people the same thing. Cause our, we, last year we hosted like a zombie 5k and the winner finished in 28 minutes for a 5k. And my, and my advisor was like, God, that was amazing. That's our best course record. That has to be way up there. I'm like, no, it's not Dr. Bauer. Like it is like 28 minutes for 5k. That's like, but here's another thing, which I, which I think is important to, to say, um, in kind of the scope of, you know, health and wellness, you know, it doesn't matter how fast of a runner you are, yeah. you know, just getting out there True. and doing something is, is great. You know, people might, might not, you know, want to do, uh, the 5k because they're like, Oh, you know, I'm not a runner. I'm not fast. You know, that, that doesn't matter. Um, you know, it's just the act of getting out there, engaging with, with people doing something, uh, you know, you're going to get a great workout, whether you're running a five minute mile, a six minute mile, a 10 minute mile, it doesn't matter. You're still going to get a good workout in. You're still going to be, you know, living that healthy lifestyle. Yeah. Okay. Sure. All right, Jeremy, we got to get out of here, man. It's just, we're over our time, but we <laughs> So, but, I got to uh, get to volleyball practice. Yeah, but I do appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you sticking with me. Eve, I know we've been trying to schedule this thing for two weeks now, um, and then we even have technical difficulties, but they're never going to know that. So that's the best part. But um, good. yeah, uh, thank you, thank you very much for coming on. Sounds good. Thanks for thanks for doing it. Thanks for uh, having everybody on. I think it's uh, it's great to uh, to do. Great to have people kind of give their. Their stories. I think it's always interesting to hear different people's backgrounds and stories, how they got to where they are, and get advice. And uh, again, it's just such a good uh, profession that we're in, and just full of uh, great people that are always willing to help each other out. Thank you, Dan, Jeremy, and thank you everyone who has downloaded, subscribed, rate, and reviewed this podcast. If you have a chance, go over to iTunes to do that. I I just looked before I got on here with Jeremy, guys. We still have a five star rating, average, but. Yeah, if we keep that. There you going, go. That'd be fantastic. And as always, you can follow us at social media at Sports Info Cast. If you ever want to be a part of the contest, you have to be following us on social media. I'm not going to just pick some random guy that's just tweeting at us the answers. So, um, but yeah, and if you uh, have any questions or just want to tell me that you don't like the podcast, you can email me sportsinfocast at gmail.com, guys. And this is, uh, again, day three of our 7-7 uh, seven seven campaign for our one-year anniversary, and we hope to catch you all in the next episode.